I remember the very first sermon that I preached. Uh, I was 33 years old. It was Baptist Men's Sunday. We used to have those uh, in the Baptist church. The day would start uh, with a breakfast. That's how you start all Baptist men's events. We had biscuits and gravy and, and bacon and all the stuff with that. Uh, on that Sunday, we'd have an all-men's choir. And they had to recruit pretty heavily, but they would fill uh, the choir loft up with a, a pretty with the men's choir. It was a pretty uh, exciting thing, pretty awesome thing. Um, and then they would get a man from the church to preach uh, for Baptist Men's Sunday. And that was always the big deal. They would get a man out of the congregation to preach. I remember over the years growing up, uh, sometimes that could be a dangerous thing, but they would get a man out of the audience, uh, out of the congregation to preach. Well, uh, on this particular year, they asked me if I would preach, uh, if I would bring the message on Baptist Men's Sunday. And I remember the preacher, the pastor came and asked me. I had just left uh, my Sunday school class, and I told him, absolutely not. There's no way I would ever do that. Uh, he waited a couple days, and I saw him, and it may have been on Wednesday of that week, and he said, you know what, I think you would do a great job. I would like to ask you again to, to consider if you would preach on Baptist Men's Day. And I told him again, no way in the world would I ever do that, turn him down again. And then uh, probably three or four days later, he came and asked me again, very serious, if I would preach on Baptist Men's Sunday. And I hesitantly said, okay. Um, from that time, I had two weeks to prepare uh, I chose one verse for the entire message, John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, on the morning of that uh, message, I walked in and I had 31 pages of notes on John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, I still have those, those notes in my closet at home. Uh, I remember coming in and, and coming in for that service and I was so nervous. Uh, I had to absolutely be green in color. Uh, I remember people remarked, they had never seen somebody sweat so much. Um, some things have never changed. Uh, on that particular Sunday, it was pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, there were about 450 people there that Sunday morning. That was up by over 100 people. And I imagine they came to see the train wreck that Sunday. I came in and I, I remember I preached my heart out. For God so loved the world, and I got to talk about a God that had grace and love for sinners, the lost world for sinners, uh, that he sent his only begotten son. And I remember I had an entire section on it's all about the son and how everything is in Jesus Christ and our salvation is in Jesus Christ and the hinge point is Jesus Christ and an awesome, an awesome discussion on Jesus Christ. I got to talk about we're saved by faith, no work of our own, not anything we could ever do, but by faith in that son and faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We will not perish Oh, I got to talk about everlasting life, e eternal life. And I came in and I, I preached my heart out on John 3.16. 31 pages of notes, 22-minute sermon. But the good news of Jesus Christ went out. Now, here's what I remember about that day, several pieces of it. I remember that Sunday morning, it was, it was 12 noon and the the, the crowd cleared out. I shook everybody's hands and the, the crowd all cleared out and everybody went on to their house, went home. And I remember walking out and the parking lot had, had emptied out. And there Carrie had waited for me in the car. And Sarah was a, was a, was a little precious girl and her, Carrie's mom had come. I think her parents came to see the, the wreck as well. 
And they took Sarah and they'd gone on home to get lunch ready. And Carrie waited for me there in the car. And I can still remember plain as day. I got in the car and I shut the door. And I was soaked in sweat. And I looked over and it was quiet for just a second. And I said, I know what I'm supposed to do. And then the hardest words I ever said, the strangest words I ever said, the most unexpected words I ever said, literally the most life-altering words I ever said, I looked at Carrie and I said, I'm supposed to be a preacher. And she said, I've known, and I was waiting on you to know. And I thought, well, dadgum, she should have said something. <laughs> 2,363 sermons later, 2,364 sermons here in about 30 minutes, the hardest words I ever said, the strangest words I ever said, the most unexpected words I ever said, for sure the most life-altering words I ever said, but today the surest words I've ever said, I'm supposed to be a preacher. Today in our study in the book of Acts, we're going to read, and I can't really get over this, we're, we're going to read, and by reading we're actually going to hear the first sermon of the church. We're actually going to hear today, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear the very first sermon ever preached in the Christian church. It's in Acts chapter 2. Today our verses are verses 14 through 36. The very first sermon ever preached in the Christian church. Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 36. Our sermon today is entitled, God Send a Preacher. God Send a Preacher. Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 36. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word, God Send a Preacher. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what is spoken to the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. 
But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ. And he was neither abandoned nor Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the guidance that we have through it. I'm thankful, Lord, that you still speak. Lord, I come in, in, in the reading of your word, in the, in the fulfilling of what we're reading today. I'm thankful for a Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sin that can only come to the cross of Calvary. I'm thankful for eternal life, everlasting life. And so, Lord, we praise you, we thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that in this hour, in this moment, that we would understand that this event is a supernatural event. And I pray that you would move and you would work and you would speak. And our hearts will be gripped today in the hearing of your word. Lord, instruct us, lead us, bless us. And most of all, take all of that and use us for the glory of our Savior Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Today, as we look at our verses, and as we look at this first sermon, it really is, and maybe you've noticed, it really is a pretty complicated issue. Uh, on one hand, as we pass through these verses, we're going we're gonna to find some, some great truths, some great truths of our faith. And as we pass through this first message, we're going to see these, these great truths that impact our faith. Also, at the same time, we're going to see in this message and in the delivery of this message some points of order or some cues for us to follow in the church today. We're going to see some things that we are to include in our practice if we are to exist as the church that Christ has 
intended. And so understand, these are complex verses. There's a lot going on. There's a lot in the context. We're going to see these great truths, but we're also going to see some cues that we should take and we should adhere to in the church of Jesus Christ. There's a lot going on. Now, I'll just tell you, I'm going to do my best to help us navigate through it I'm going to try my best, but I make no promises. We're going to see some, some pretty awesome things in these verses. Now, let's go to the verses. Beginning in verse 14. Verse 14 says this. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem... Let this be known to you and give heed to my words. Here in verse 14, Peter, the Bible says, taking his stand, raises his voice and he declares, let this be known. Be, be aware of what I'm saying. Give, give heed to the words. Really listen to what I'm saying. Peter raises up and he says, listen to what I'm saying. Now see this. Peter is about to preach the very first sermon in the church age. And right off the bat, right off the start, I want to point this out, and I want you to be very, very clear in this. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't hear this very much today, and it may seem weird coming from me, but I'll just tell you, nobody else is going to say it. We're going to preach the full counsel of God's word. And so if God has said it, we're going to say it. I don't hear this very much, but I want you to be very, very sure today. Listen very carefully. Preaching is central to the mission and the function of the Christian church. Do you hear that? Are you, are you sure of that? Listen very carefully. Preaching is central to the mission and the function of the Christian church. In fact, I will tell you, I honestly believe the primary ministry of the church is the preaching of the word of God and everything else flows out of that. I truly do. I believe the, the primary ministry of the church is the preaching of the word of God and everything else flows out of that. The Bible tells us the church is to uphold the doctrine of the Bible tells us that very clearly. We're to uphold the, the, the doctrine of God's word. I believe the primary way that is done is in the preaching of God's word. The Bible says the church is to make disciples. The church is to grow disciples and, and to replicate disciples of Jesus Christ. I believe the primary way we do that is in the preaching of the word of God. The Bible says the church is to equip the saints to defend their faith, to contend for their faith, and to go out and to reach the lost. I want to tell you, the primary way I believe that happens is in the preaching of the Word of God. The Bible says the church is to encourage believers to persevere. It's a hard run. The church is to include believers to, to push on and to endure. I believe the primary way that happens is in the preaching of the Word of God. The Bible says the church is to be the beacon of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that like a, a lamp is put on a pedestal, the church is to hold up the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel which is the power of God unto salvation. The church is to hold it up. I believe the primary way of that happening is through the preaching of the word of God. And so be very sure right from the very start, 
central to the mission and the function of the church is the preaching of the word of God. Listen, if you're going to have a New Testament church, if you're going to have a church in the, in the model that the New Testament tells us, central to the mission of the church is going to be the faithful preaching of the word of God. Now, as you can imagine, this subject is personal to me. And, I, and it gets to be more and more personal all the time. This, this subject, the preaching of the Word of God, the faithful preaching of the Word of God, it, it, it is personal to me. And let me just tell you, of, of all people, I'm sick of the hurt of today. I, I'm sick of the brokenness that our world produces. Do you look at our homes and our marriages and our kids and the world that we're spinning around in? I'm sick to death of the brokenness that this world produces. I'm sick today of the chaos and the, and the, and the strife in our world today. I'm of all people sick of sin today. I'm sick of my sin and I'm sick of your sin and our sin. I'm sick of the, the consequences for sin. I'm so sick of sin. I'm, I'm sick of the slander of God today, our, our holy God. I'm sick how his name is slandered today. Oh, his heart must be broken. Just this week I was thinking, oh, his, his heart as he looks at his creation, he went to the cross and then in Jesus and he redeemed him. He provided a way of salvation. And when he sees what's become of us, the turmoil and the hurt and the grief, oh, his heart must be broken I'm sick of it seeming like we're losing. I'm sick of it seeming like all is lost and you watch the news and you watch the culture and you hear the report of the day and I'm sick of it seeming like all is lost that we exist in defeat. I'm sick of it seeming like Satan has the upper hand. Doesn't it seem everywhere you turn that, that Satan is winning? I'm sick of it seeming like Satan has the upper hand because friends, I want to tell you the truth today is this. The gospel still stands and the gospel is still good news and Satan is still defeated, crushed at the cross of Calvary, doomed at the empty tomb and Jesus is still the king and he still reigns today and he still rules today and there is hope, there is hope today in Jesus Christ. This is going to sound very old-fashioned. In fact, it may just seem ignorant. But let me tell you something. We need a revival today. We need a revival in our nation today. We need a revival in the church today. We need a movement of God. Listen, not just lip service. We need a movement of God today. We need a movement of God in our churches today. The living God is on display in our churches. We need to see people get saved today. That's the answer for all of this. Today, we need a resurgence of the word of God. We need a returning to the word of God. Listen, this is how I'll operate in my home. This is how I'll operate in my marriage. This is how I'll conduct my business. We need a returning to the word of God. Friend, you listen very carefully. It will start in our pulpits. It may sound crazy, and it may sound absurd, but we need a revival in our, in, our, in our churches today, in our pulpits. 
Doesn't that sound crazy? Shouldn't it already be there? We need a revival today in our nation. You know what's going to happen when it starts in our pulpits? We need a movement of God in our churches today. It's going to happen when it starts in our pulpits. We need God to move in our pulpits today. Starts off, we need God called preachers today. I was thinking about this, and I'm serious. But our churches are floundering today because Walt Disney has taken over our pulpits. Our, our churches are floundering today. Our churches are, are missing the mark today. Our churches are ineffective today. Our churches are, are not doing what they're called to do. And people are suffering as a result because Walt Disney has taken over our pulpits. Now, what I mean by that is this. We've got dopey and goofy and sleepy and Mickey Mouse and I'm afraid even Cinderella masquerading as preachers today. And I want to tell you, you go and you watch the, we watch the TV or you watch YouTube, you watch what churches are putting out today and we've got all sorts of folks that are standing in pulpits today. Listen to me very carefully. Not everybody that stands in a pulpit is God's preacher. We need God-sent preachers preaching the word of God in our pulpits today. Listen to verse 14. Let's look at the verse. But Peter taking a stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. The verse starts off and it says, but Peter, but Peter. Now I want to I stop right here. Peter, but Peter. Peter is called by Jesus. Peter is trained by Jesus. Peter is now filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But understand this, Peter is a man. Peter, Peter's just a man. We know that he had issues in the past. We know that in our verses. He denied that he even knew Jesus. We, we know that he had issues in his past. We know he's going to have some more issues in the future. We're going to come across that as we read and as we study. He's not perfect. But I want you to hear this. God in his plan and God in his wisdom called him and placed him. Now, it may sound self-serving coming from me, but listen very carefully. In a world that is suffering for a lack of the truth, in a world of churches where you can't even find the truth, brother, you can go to church after church today, and I don't know what they're doing, but you can't even find the truth, the Word of God. In a world where churches, you can't even find the truth, one of God's greatest blessings to the people of God is a preacher of the Word of God. Now, you need to hear that again. Listen very carefully. One of God's greatest blessings to the people of God is a preacher of the Word of God. God's plan, God's wisdom. God calls them and God anoints them. And God sends preachers. I was thinking about Peter. I wonder how many times Peter had to hear, why him? Why him? 
Why, why him? He's a fisherman. Why him? He's a hothead. Why him? I'd do better than him. I, if I had a chance, I'd do way better than him. I, in fact, I've got some ideas. I'd like to tell him, why him? He's uneducated. We're going to see that in, in a few chapters. He's uneducated. The Bible actually says that. Why him? I wonder how many times he had to hear, why him? The other disciples even. Why Peter? Why, why is he leading? Why him? I wonder how many times he had to hear that. And yet in chapter 4, he's arrested and he's threatened. He's released. In chapter 5, he's rearrested, he's beaten, he's whipped. In chapter 12, he's arrested, he's put in jail. And we know that for the preaching of a crucified Savior, Peter himself is crucified. I want you to understand this. He's killed for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why he died. He was crucified. That is the reason for it. He died because he was a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many people were there saying, why him then? One of God's greatest blessings to the people of God is a preacher of the word of God. I'm very blessed I can tell you, God changed the course of my family. God changed the course of my life through a faithful preacher. My dad was saved at the age of 29 in the influence of the weekly preaching of a faithful preacher. My dad was taught and he grew as a disciple, he became a deacon in that church. He became a witness for the gospel. He wasn't scared to tell someone how he was saved in the influence of the weekly preaching of that preacher. My dad, when I was in, in fourth grade, led me to Jesus Christ, and I was saved in the influence of that same preacher. My, my life was changed in the influence of that preacher. My family's eternity and lives were, were influenced and changed in the life of that preacher. Today he is 81 years old, and this Sunday morning he's preaching that same gospel. Yesterday I sent him a text, and I thanked him for standing as the preacher, faithful to the call of my Savior, because it made all of the difference for me. The verse starts off, and it says, But Peter, but Peter, taking his stand, taking his stand. Now see this. God's preacher is bold. That's why we have these requirements. That's why he has to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. God's preacher is bold. Notice it says, taking his stand. It doesn't say he, he got up to preach a sermon. It says, taking his stand. Now, I want you to not miss this. The stand that he is taking is the same stand that, that not two months earlier got Jesus crucified. Jesus was nailed to the cross and he bled and he died on that cross for the same gospel message. He was murdered for this stand. This is the same message. It is a bold thing for Peter to stand and now fill with the Holy Spirit, fully knowing the danger, sure of the danger. He knows what's going to happen, staring the danger in the face. The Bible says Peter was taking his stand. Friends, we need bold preachers today. We need bold preachers, not sophisticated preachers, 
not popular preachers, not eloquent preachers, not acclaimed preachers. We need preachers today that though they're going to be attacked and brother they're going to be, though they're going to be rejected, though they're going to be hated, though they're going to be abandoned even by those closest to them, though they're going to walk through life alone, they can look the threat in the face and they can stand in boldness and proclare the good news of Jesus Christ. God give us bold preachers. God give us bold preachers. Especially in these days. Do you see our world today? Especially in these days. It says, he raised his voice. It literally translates, he took his stand and he started to speak. That's what it literally translates. Now we're going to look at the message And actually, we're going to look at it in great detail. It's going to take us two more weeks. But Peter seeing the threat and being more impressed by the need and being more inspired by the mission and having determined that the cause outweighs the cost, he starts to speak. Let me tell you today, in 2019, we need our pulpits to speak again. We need our pulpits to speak, and I mean truly speak today, not nonsense. My lands, there's so much nonsense coming out of our pulpits today, not self-help, not all this self-help stuff, not how how to have a good day or how to have a good life, not some advice to make your day better, not a message that has been compromised and run to the filter of the world, not a me-focused message. You know what? The whole Bible's not about you. But listen, we need our pulpits to speak again. Now see this. It says, but Peter, taking his stand with the 11, raised his voice, and then I want you to see this. And declared to them. But Peter, taking a stand with 11, raised his voice and declared to them. In the original language, declared to them translates declared seriously or declared with gravity or heaviness. That's the literal translation. Now, in in the book of Acts, and in the epistles, when it says this word, this, this Greek word for declared, it actually comes to mean or is the same as speaking the inspired word of God. It literally translates speaking seriously, speaking heavy, heavy, heavily with heaviness, but it actually comes to mean in our, in our Christian context speaking the inspired word of God. And so I want you to be very sure today when you hear somebody preaching and they're God's sent preacher, they're not just giving any speech. They're not just using any words. It's not just any message. We've become confused that any message will do. It is actually literally speaking the word of God. Folks, do you see how huge this just got? 
God, God sends a preacher, God appoints a preacher, and the difference is they're not just passing on information. It's not like a college lecture. They're not just speaking a bunch of words to fill a gap. They're not just speaking to appease your ears and to make you feel good. They're preaching the word of God. And that only happens when they're led by the spirit of God and they're preaching the word from God, our Bible. Listen very carefully. God speaks through his preacher preaching the word of God. Do you believe that? God God speaks through his preacher who is preaching the word of God. We go through life, and, and maybe you've said this or maybe you hear this. I hear it quite often. And people will say, you know what, I, I wish God would speak to me. I, I read that account when God did this and he did that and he said this. And it was an audible voice. I wish God would speak to me like that. If, if only God would speak to me like that. If, if I could hear God like that, you know what, I'd be more obedient. I, I, would, I would listen to his instruction more clearly. If only God spoke to me like that. Here's the crazy thing. And let me just tell you, it's the crazy thing about church attendance. If I knew God was going to speak, God was actually going to speak. God was. And it wasn't going to be a preacher. It wasn't going to be a denomination. It wasn't going to be a church. If I knew God was going to speak, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, the God that has all wisdom, the God that is kind and gracious to us, He is going to speak, and I know God is going to speak, and he's going to speak. Listen, if I knew God was going to speak, I would not miss it. I would not miss it for anything, no. People come along and say, you can't make them all. Listen, if I know God's going to speak, I'll sure try. God is going to speak. How would we miss it? I'm going to sound like a Baptist preacher here. He, pre- he speaks at 6 o'clock as well tonight. The years I've been at Calvary, 10 years. It'll be 10 years this Easter. On at least three occasions directly, and I, I, can, I can imagine it indirectly, but on at least three occasions directly, People have come up to me and they were mad and a couple of them said they weren't coming back and it's okay for me to talk about them because they didn't come back. And they actually told me this. Two of them were out in the foyer. One of them was in my office. They didn't like how I preached. They said, two of them said, I'm not coming back. They didn't like how I preached. Here's what they said. Because it's like you're speaking right to me. That's what they said. Here's what I've noticed as a preacher. People like it when you speak to others. They need to hear that. This side, they need to hear it. I hope, oh, her back there, she heard that. We love it when he speaks to others. Listen, they actually came and said, 
we're not coming back. We don't like how you preach because it sounds like you're speaking to me. Listen, the crazy thing is this. If it's done right, if it's in the word of God and it's in the, the person that God spent to speak, God actually does speak. God actually does lead. It is actually his voice. These are literally his words. And I want you to understand they are still living today. They are still active today. They are still relevant today. Listen, brother. Listen, sister, God knows where you're at. You, he knows what you're facing. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. And he speaks through his preacher, preaching the word of God. He still speaks. It's like he's speaking to me. Amen, praise the Lord, he spoke to me. Amen, he still speaks. We're not gonna get done with this sermon. <laughs> One verse. What's the point? Let me tell you the point today. The point today is this. Preaching is central to the mission and the function of the church. Hey, I'm moving to a new town. I'm going to pick a church. You know what you ought to look for? A church that preaches the word of God. Hey, I, I'm not sure what's going on. Listen, hey, what's the evaluation? What's the standard? A preacher who preaches the word of God. We need to quit fighting against that. You know what? I want this and this and this and this, and if that's the eighth thing down, that's a good thing. Listen, we need to be very sure preaching is central to the mission and the function of a church, and if a church is functioning properly and it's carrying out its mission, I'm gonna promise you there is a preacher preaching the word of God in that church. It's central to the mission and the function of the church. Here's another point. Praise God he still sends preachers. It's his plan. It's his wisdom. That's his grace to us. Praise God he still sends preachers. We ought to be excited. Praise God he still sends preachers. Here's another point. Praise God He's still speaking. You can go sit by Buddha all day long. He's not going to say anything. You can call on Allah all day long. He's not going to say anything. Our God still speaks. Praise God, our God still speaks. And so what do you do? What's your response to this message? I wrote down three things, and there's probably more than this, but... Here's three things. What do you do? Here's the first thing, and this is the most important thing. I'd be where he's speaking. You know what? I, I get discouraged pretty easy. You know what? I get off track pretty easy. You know what? I go in the wrong direction pretty easy. You know what? The world's pulling in my cuff every which way. You know what I would do? I, if it's talking about me, I would be where God's speaking. You know what? Your first response is this. I would be where God is speaking. I'm, I'm going to do what it takes, and I, I'm going to be where God is speaking. That's, that's, the, that's a big thing. That's the main thing. Second thing is this, and I'm going to tell you two more things. What should you do? I would encourage the one that he is speaking through. You see, like Peter was just a person. They're just a person also. I was looking at some statistics, and these are probably outdated, but I found this. 300 pastors a week leave their pulpit and they resign, most of them in discouragement. 
I saw another statistic that says over 50% seriously deal with depression and anxiety. 90%, another survey said 90% would say that it has affected their family in a negative way. My preaching has affected my family in a negative way. 90% would say that. The majority of their spouses, another survey, wish they did something else. I don't think they would say that in the meeting of the church, but the majority of those spouses when interviewed wish that their spouse did something else. You know what you ought to do? You ought to encourage the one that he's speaking through. The third thing is this, and this is a big one. Pray for them. Pray for them. You know, this is God's work. This is God's work. He's gifted all of us. This is his work. He enables it. This is his work. It's done in God's power. For sure, we want godly wisdom. Pray for them. Our God still speaks. God, send a preacher. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And I'm, I'm thankful for this account. I'm thankful for Peter. That knowing the threat, having seen the threat, filled by the Holy Spirit of God, called by Jesus himself, he stood up to declare the word of God. Lord, I'm thankful he did. Lord, I'm thankful that we still reap benefits from it. Lord, I pray for churches. Lord, I pray for for our sister church in this town right now that's looking for a pastor. Lead them, bless them. The greatest thing, Lord, that could happen is, is the man of God stand and preach the word of God. Bless that church. Lord, I, I pray for us. I pray that we would be a, a preaching church, that we would value the, the preaching and the word of God and that out of it would flow all the other things. They wouldn't end here, but it would be a, a, a starting place. Lord, I'm thankful that you know my situation and our situation. I'm thankful that you're living and that you're active and that you speak into it. I praise you for that. Lord, help us to be faithful. Lord, help us to speak, proclaim, beg, whatever. Lord, that folks would find the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we come and I, I, I open this up before you and tell you we're thankful. We tell you we praise you. Forgive us where we get off track. Help us to line up with your word and use this church to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, we worship you, we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.